0: Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth. I'm a marathoner, coach, and answer seeker. When I first started running at the age of 29, I had so many questions and what felt like nowhere to turn to for answers. And now I'm here to answer all your running questions about anything that you might wanna know. If you're a new runner or you've been doing this for a long time, there's always something more to learn about running. So let's get started. My guest this week to talk all things marathoning is Running Explains' very own coach, Jesse Gruca. Jesse is a 25-time marathoner. She is a half Ironman finisher. She is a mom. She is a full-time engineer. She is also a run coach. She's busy, and she has learned a lot over her years of marathoning and coaching, and she's here to share that with us today. So whether you're a very first-time marathoner or you're looking at some more advanced things, Jesse and I are here to talk about the evolution of being a marathoner the mistakes that we all make at the beginning and how to get better cycle over cycle as you progress through your running career and if you're looking for a little bit more support than just a podcast episode don't forget that running explained has a bunch of options available for you as a runner whether you're a marathoner 5k or anywhere in between we are here to help you whether that's a training plan Run coaching or training plus programs, master classes, and more. Check out runningexplained.co for all of your running needs. Jesse, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Thanks, Elizabeth. I'm so excited to be here.
0: So tell us, how did you become a runner?
1: Well, I'm probably one of those typical, like, start later in life. I did soccer and field hockey in high school, so running was punishment. And, I mean, my dad was, he had his normal three-mile route that he'd do, so he'd try to drag us in for some 5Ks, but not like I ever trained. And it really wasn't until college that I started picking up running and just, I didn't have any more sports team activities, so something to stay in shape. And one of my roommates who did track and cross country was like, oh, let's do the Detroit half marathon together. And so I'm like, all right, well, why not? I know nothing about this, so let's get started. And the thing with that was, uh, so it's it's an international half marathon, so you get to run into Canada over the bridge and come back through the tunnel. So you need a passport. Well, her passport expired, so she kind of bailed on me. Well, I was like already changed, like, oh, I can't do it now. I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> so I'm committed alone to run this half marathon. But I liked it. After it, it went pretty decently well, I guess, and. Yeah, after that, I'm like, okay, well, the next year, let's actually do this together and be prepared. And then from there, um, I got the kick to maybe try a marathon and move on into that journey.
0: Okay. So I have a logistical question about the Detroit half marathon. Do they, do you do like passport control, like at the beginning of the race? Like, how does that work?
1: So when you pick up, well, you have to put in your passport information when you register. You have to show them your passport to get your bib, but they have security, like, lining the border. Like, you have to show your bib. You're supposed to carry your passport with you, but I don't think everyone does. (laughs) Why do you want to carry that around to get lost in Canada or something? But they do have, like, border patrol. Like, you need to show a bib in order to get through, and they have tackled people that have tried to sneak oh my god the border so
0: yeah (laughs) talk about an extra layer of logistics for that race director (laughs) (laughs) just international border control no big deal how many water stops yeah (laughs) um that's so cool i did not know that well today we're really talking about kind of picking your brain as a coach and as a runner about the evolution that one might find themselves going through as they go through their running career specifically focusing on marathon goals and obviously like as a runner and I I would hope you would agree with this like it's important to have a variety of goals that aren't just specifically tied to one race distance but there are a lot of people who fall in love with the marathon distance and really want to be the best they can personally be at that distance but as we all know, life is going to happen to us. We are going to start families. We are going to move across the country. We're going to have jobs that are more than full-time or less than full-time, and things change. But And so talking about the marathon in the context of how those things change, um, what was your very first marathon that you ran?
1: So Detroit was my very first marathon. It was nice, local, easy to do. And yeah, you definitely learn a lot from your first. I had Three bathroom stops. The first one, I did not know how to do fueling well. I did not train fueling on my long runs. I probably did way too many fasted running. But I mean, I did squeeze out a BQ somehow. So I'd be curious if I didn't have bathroom stops, what I could do. But um, I, at first going into, I'm like, this is a one and done. Just say I did it. But I was like, oh well, I, I guess I'm above average. I can. I didn't know anything about the Boston marathon but I was like well I guess I have to do another one if I qualified (laughs) then go from there I know right
0: you're like your reward for doing well in this marathon is you get to run another marathon (laughs) 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 so that that we have to say right that's that's going to be a pretty unique experience there are people who are going to spend a decade or more maybe trying to qualify for Boston and I think it's okay to acknowledge that like Whatever your first one was, right? Some people are going to be on the six to seven hour range. Some people I've known, I know somebody whose very first marathon was a sub three marathon. Like talk about, talk about talent, right? So it's not about the time that I think, let's throw it out the window and say, it's not about the time. You can be a very experienced marathoner and have a range of times, right? So that first and foremost, I think it's very important to acknowledge that, you know, hyper focusing on a specific finishing time or comparing your experience as a marathon or to somebody else because of your finishing time is not always the most helpful way to approach your training.
1: No, I agree. And that was back before I had a Garmin. So I honestly had no idea what I could pull out in this. So it was all a big surprise. It was not, I did not have a time goal tied to finishing the marathon.
0: And how many marathons have you run since then?
1: Since then? So I've done 25 since then, but uh, I'm, so since then I've started this journey of trying to do a marathon in all 50 states. So I've done 23 states so far, just I've paced some that are in Michigan again. So (laughs) that's where I live. (laughs) Easy to do.
0: Now, is every one of those marathons that you uh, participate in, is this like a race every single time you're trying to go for a PR?
1: So I am, I don't, I very struggle with just having a fun race like there has to be a purpose like I'm going to race and try to do my best or whether I'm pacing friends or I'm I have done some states where I'm just a pacer so I do have a time I need to complete it in but I need to have a purpose I can't just have fun (laughs) for it like I need to challenge myself in some way whether it's going to be a PR or not like obviously course courses can change where PR probably won't work but I need to try my best, at least (laughs) for my fitness at that time.
0: (laughs) I love that distinction, though. I think because a lot of people think when you spend all this time investing in training for a specific race, that you should always try to run a PR. And what you're saying is that even in races where you are like, you understand that you're not going to focus on the PR, you're still trying to do your best, but you're very aware that this is not a day I'm even attempting to PR.
1: Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I know train and just as I've progressed through the marathon, I've definitely gone through some different life stages, like before kids, after kids, and just transitioning fitness or coming back from injury. I've had my share from too many marathons in a year, but (laughs) (laughs) it happens.
0: So one of the biggest questions that I know that I get, and I know that you get this too, as a coach is like, well, how many, how many marathons can I run? Like, how many marathons is too many marathons in too short a period of time what is your like based on your experience as a marathoner and as a running coach what would your best guidance be for somebody who is trying to run more than one marathon in a 12-month period
1: so based from my experience I think the best success I've had is doing a spring marathon and a fall marathon or whether it's like an early winter kind of thing. I do think like for me, best like your body to recover, reset or maybe put in like a separate training cycle of like a 5K training, something shorter has been more beneficial that I've seen progress and like less chance of injury. But I was like going back through like the amount of marathons I've done in a year. And one year I did six in a year. That's probably why plus a half Ironman in there. So probably not the best. And that was my most injuries that year. So lessons learned. I mean, I had a lot of PRs that year, but lessons learned. Yeah, playing (laughs) with fire. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Was that pre-kids? That was pre-kids. Yeah, I definitely do not have that time now. I was like gung ho trying to crank out a lot.
0: (laughs) How many marathons did you run before And how many kids do you have two kids?
1: I have two kids, kids. so
0: So, obviously it takes time to grow a couple humans and to spend some time raising those humans. Uh, How many marathons did you run before kids and how many of you run after kids?
1: So I have done, sorry, I'm doing my math. (laughs) I did 18 before kids. And then, so now I've done five.
0: All right. So we got like, so, we have good, good data sample sizes. We yes. good, like, you know, you're not just like 24 pre-kids and like one, right. one postpartum, <laughs> one post-kids marathon. Uh-huh. What are some of the biggest changes that you have noticed in training and racing marathons now compared to before you had kids?
1: Recovery time is not the same. I, I feel like I try to get my runs done early, but as soon as I come in the door, it's usually flip onto mom mode. So I don't get, I mean, I usually try to make sure I eat something cause I think everyone knows in the family I get crabby if I don't eat. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just like, okay, you're on mom mode. You're on your their schedule. What activities are we running off to? Let's go play outside or something. So I don't get to stretch and decompress like I normally would have. Uh, usually, I have to wait till the kids are in bed, but you've already done a full day of activities before I can actually sit and relax. So, I think recovery has been the biggest game changer.
0: Have you noticed? Let me ask you this: I, I, Has your training volume, obviously, working back up too, right? A, a, a higher training volume after coming back from having kids. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, has your training volume changed?
1: At this point, I actually think I'm doing more than pre-kids. I mean, I've done it smarter, and now that I have a running coach, uh, (laughs) I think that has helped, too, because I always, like, self-trained myself. And I actually ran, like, less days a week before kids, but I think it was just too much causing injury. But, I mean, as after kids, building up, I ran less just because I was nervous. I did more cross-training, but... Now that my kids can sleep through the night, we're at that stage where they can kind of take care of themselves in the morning. I can go out and do more miles and get more running in. But I actually think I'm running more like weekly miles in a training session than I did before, which is kind of cool.
0: <laughs> That's very cool. And I, in your experience as a coach and as a mom, is that this kind of like preconceived notion that? after kids you won't I mean obviously you're crazy time crunched right like kids are very time consuming right just keeping them alive and getting them to school and feeding them um but that that this kind of assumption that once you have kids you will no longer be able to train the way you did at ever the same that you did before you had kids is that something that you talk to a lot with other mom runners with uh, runners that you coach
1: yeah I do have A lot of momers that I coach and then some friends that live near me but I think it just comes down to like what your priority is and how you can fit it into your schedule because yes I only have a window I have to be done by 6 a.m. to continue on with the rest of the day with working full-time and the kids so it's just how you prioritize it so I mean I try to go to bed early so I can make sure I get enough sleep but it's just a lot a backwards time counting and where you can fit it in. So I think that's a key thing is where can you fit it in, put that in your schedule, make that a priority for you. If this is actually a goal that you want to succeed in.
0: Do you go through, and I I love coaches being coached. Like I don't coach myself. It's interesting. And I would love to know your experience on this too. It's like, we can have all the knowledge in the world. And yet when we apply it to ourselves, it's like the hardest version of anything that we would ever give anybody else. Right. And we're so bad at lis- listening to our own body cues.
1: <laughs> and yeah. And being type A, you're like, well, this is what the workout says I have to do it kind of thing. And so, yeah, it's definitely pushing me more than I probably would have pushed myself. I'd probably give myself a lot of more slack and grace than, Having a coach who's looking at my workouts and, and what's it's nice, I've definitely learned like it's adaptable and we know that there's other life stresses so we've definitely had to change things for these next upcoming weeks as I prepare for my next marathon but it's good to have that communication with someone else looking in because I'm sure I would have just still pushed through whatever I put myself, not taking in other stress factors.
0: How do you coach your mother runners who are experiencing a lot of these same like being pulled in a thousand directions? They are prioritizing their running, but life happens. Like, how do you talk to them about that?
1: So I feel like I'm a lot gentler on them than I am myself, too. Like, I I know I feel guilty. I was like, oh, I should have done this. Like, what could I have done differently? But sometimes like your sanity, your health that comes first and there's sometimes family emergencies kind of thing. Yeah, we might have to skip a run if something comes up or we can move things around, but it's all going to come together. Like missing one run isn't going to hurt the overall training, but to have fun with it and I don't know, involve your family in some way if you can kind of thing too. So just patience, it'll come together. This is a stage in life right now and things can get better
0: <laughs> I want to talk about the kind of evolution that one one would go through through the experience of training foreign racing marathons over the course of several years because I think as definitely as we coaches know right but anybody think who's participated in a marathon knows that the first time you run a marathon you have no idea what you're doing like even if you did somehow Figure out how to train properly. Maybe you had amazing foresight and like hired a coach and did all the right things. You still have no idea what's going to happen over the course of those 26 miles. Um, Do you, I want to, because I remember my first marathon and I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) Uh, Getting to that point, I think the farthest I'd ever run in training was like 14 or 15 miles because I was injured because I didn't know what I was doing. And getting to the point in the race where I was like, I've literally never run this far before. And that like almost like euphoria of like venturing into the unknown. Um, Do you have a similar experience with your first marathon?
1: Yes. Uh, I mean, I did get up to a 20 miler with my training because I just got Hal Higgins online, you know, (laughs) Um, and followed that. But I hit the wall the first time I didn't know fueling. I'm sure I had like one goo or something because that was the gel to have and thought that'd be fine. I didn't carb load. I'm pretty sure I ate a salad the day before and that did not go well (laughs) right through me the next day. But yeah, I hit the wall and just mentally, I could just think of my soccer coach. Um, She liked to yell at us, like push it when we were doing, like she'd throw 400s at us or something if we were in trouble. And Just for yelling at me to push it. It was the only thing that got me through the race. I was like, oh my goodness, I have to, I have to finish this. But it was tough. And I was sore.
0: Yeah. I was super sore. My first marathon was very flat, but I went in and I had like a massage scheduled for a couple days later and like my quads are really sore, which is weird because it was it was flat. Like, why were my quads sore? And I was just so, there's like a picture of me from late in the, it was Disney, so I have like a billion pictures. And I'm just like, I'm so like hunched over. It's like, I'm like just, my, my quads are like doing all the work, I'm just absolutely dying. And I had this crazy experience. And like knowing now how just absolutely bonkers the marathon can be, I had this experience at mile 25. I was hurting so badly that I thought, and it, in, in Disney, it's a Disney marathon, so you go through Epcot, right? I know you've run Disney races, so yes. you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> you go through Epcot and it's like where all the people are and it's like daytime and the parks are open and so like it's really, you know, there's a cheering and all the you know, characters are out. And mile 25 m- crossed my mind. I was like, I could just stop. Like I could just walk off the course. I could just walk into Epcot and like this, my pain driver, be ride. over, <laughs> right? I'm gonna be like, all this can be over and like, and that, I bring that up because that, that kind of in, absolutely bonkers thought that crosses your mind in the marathon, at the time, it made complete sense to me. And in retrospect, you're like, that's insane. Like, you have, like, a mile to go. You, why would you quit now? But I say this to illustrate that the marathon is not just physically tough. The marathon is mentally one of the most challenging things you can do. Have you experienced similar like mental bonkersness in any of the marathons that you've run?
1: Oh yes, oh yes. Um, and I also, s- not smartly, ran uh, two marathon while I was pregnant with my first kid because I was already signed up for them, not knowing what would happen. I'm like, well, I got to check these states off. I remember my husband did the half while I did the full. For I did Raleigh, North Carolina, and I'm pregnant. I had to do a bathroom stop. He passes me at mile seven and normally my endurance i'm typically faster than him but of course at that time i just cried i'm like i'm just gonna leave at the half i'm just gonna run the half i'm done <laughs> everyone's passing me but i finished that marathon and that was <laughs> not pretty i mean but... i
0: feel like you had kind of a, a big
1: excuse if you had That's decided true. to drop at the half <laughs> but even recently i feel like after kids it's after kids training for marathons, like I haven't been at the paces or race times that I was before kids. So I think for me transitioning to that, building back up and just seeing when I'm running the marathon, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm still running like past I have like four or five miles still to go and I could have been done like pre-kids. So I think the comparison was really hard for me. And just trying to finish races after kids, I'm like, how this isn't fun anymore. Like I'm not fast anymore what my relative fast I thought was kind of thing so for me like those were hard just mentally still pushing through when I still had more miles still to go
0: that I mean that that's like that's huge I think because whether or not like whatever the reason like you know whether you're in a period of your life where your fitness is returning because of needing to take time off or like literally whatever reason kids injury you just needed to break um but to be in a race that's not going the way that you hoped that it would or that you wanted it to, whether you're trying to compare yourself to where you were five years ago or whether it's just like literally not your day. You're just having a terrible day. Staying in it mentally is so, so challenging because as soon as we see that goal slipping away, there's almost like a switch that gets turned off and it's so hard to turn it back on.
1: Yes, I agree. I think that was a big turning point. And it was like, this was COVID. So I think this was what, 2022. I was supposed to do a race in South Carolina. They canceled it the week before because COVID, it was January. Uh, so I quickly, I'm like, well, I did all this training. I want to still do this. So I found Mesa, Arizona. So I quickly scheduled into that race. So like, having to do another 20, it's so, like extending the training that was already mentally draining. I was already tapered. So, but that's, that race did not go well. I was like, my fitness says I should have been faster than I was. It got hot. It was just terrible. And from there I'm like, well, I'm just plateaued. Like I'm stuck. And that race is when I was like, okay, I think I need a running coach. I need some, someone else to look in on that. And luckily I did travel to that race with a friend who then became my running coach. So it worked out, but yeah, it's just, yeah, needed to push through and just hard to see where you think you could be. And it's just not there.
0: Was there any one specific part of that race where you're like, oh, this, this is the moment, or this is the thought, or this is the mile where I'm like, okay, something's got to change.
1: So I got through the halfway point, half marathon feeling really good. I'm like, okay, we got this. Then I get to mile 16. I'm like, well, this isn't looking good. It's It's getting hot. And this was honestly the first race that I've ever had to walk water stations. Like usually I at least jog or slow down to get water, but I had to walk like water stations the rest of the race. I was like, this is not happening. Like I thought I was prepared. Something, something needs to change. I don't know. I need help. So
0: (laughs) So have you done, this is my favorite thing too. Like as, as a, as a coach, um, obviously it's better to do like best preparation, but like trying to figure out, okay, what went? wrong. Did you, were you able to kind of do a post-mortem and figure out like, you know, trying to trace backwards or figure out what might've contributed to how it went?
1: Yes. There was a lot of new changes that I had done during that race that I never had done before. Well, one, I mean, it did get hot. I, I think heat also played a big factor, but I wore a hydration vest. I have never raced in a hydration vest and I think the added weight and I didn't have enough. I think so. I was very low on sodium. I did not have electrolytes because usually I would just train with water and go. And after kids, I really realized I really need more sodium and electrolytes. Um, So that was a big thing. And then I also listened to music on my marathon. I have never raced with music ever. So this time I'm like, I attempted to make a playlist. I am terrible at making playlists. And I think the timing of the songs was terrible for the second half. Like the first half, I'm like, oh, these are all my favorites. These are good. And the second half, I was like, this is not a good place for this song. Like, it's just, I think that ruined a lot of it mentally too. So music, I, I won't run with music anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I ask you, I ask these questions, right? Not to be like, you know, obviously we all mess up. My past two marathons, the time in my life, which I should know all the things, have been just complete disasters, right? It's no fun to feel like you're going backwards, even when you technically are doing everything correctly. But I ask you this question and I ask about these things because I want to illustrate how challenging the marathon specifically is, even when you have years of experience, even when you know what you're doing, even when you've had, quote unquote, the perfect training cycle, right? Race day can still throw you curveballs. You can still end up in a day that's far, far more challenging than you expect it to be.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. It can still happen, still learning. I mean, even since that race, just with fueling, I've made a lot of changes since then, and I feel stronger with running and training now than I did and even pre-kids. <laughs> so.
0: What are some of the biggest changes that you have made and that you are advocating for your clients in training for their own marathons?
1: Fueling and hydrating. Like, honestly, before, I, could ma- I would maybe do a marathon with two gels. Wow. And grab, which is not smart. Um, you'd hit a wall. And now I am fueling with a gel every 30 minutes. Like, no matter, every three miles, I am taking something in. Now I have, like, salt tabs. I'm carrying water. Yeah, I think that has been a game changer. Like, even on my long runs, I rarely have a... I mean, some long runs are tough. Don't get me wrong; it's hot. My legs get tired, but I feel stronger doing my long runs now. Lately, with all the feeling that I've done, I think that's really moved the needle.
0: It's amazing to me how many clients and potential clients or coaching consults where you know we'll we'll debrief a per, you know marathon performance, and they'll say they'll describe something that kind of sounds like hitting the wall. Like anybody who's hit the wall hard knows it's just the worst feeling in the world. Like you literally, you literally feels like you ran into a brick wall. <laughs> but there are other forms I call where it's like gently approaching the wall, where you're not technically, you haven't like totally crashed and burned, but you are really struggling. You're slowing down just a little bit. You kind of got that brain fog, right? You're just kind of feeling like it's kind of like almost surreal. And that's also a, like you're about, you're you are approaching the wall. But I think for so many marathoners, they just naturally accept uh, that sort of feeling as normal. And it's like, no, 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 you you just aren't fueling enough.
1: Yes. I mean, don't get me wrong. The marathon is still going to be hard. It's still going to be a challenge mentally. But if you can prepare yourself and help in any way, like ahead of time, the feeling and stay on top of it, like, you can push past, past it and keep going, but you do need to accept it's going to hurt like, during it, but to, a lot of mental strength comes in, too, and just being prepared for it, I think, helps.
0: And that's a tough thing too. Like, and that's why we do these long ones. I was texting with a client the other day. She just did one of her first 18 milers for her cycle. We've got eight weeks to go. And you know, easy effort, 18, right? But 18 at easy effort is still like a long time, a long time. to be running. <laughs> and she was like, I don't understand. Like, I can't imagine running six more, like eight more miles. Like, I, I ran eight. She's like, I cannot imagine having to run, needing to run eight more miles on top of that. I was like, well, of course not. Like, it, what no you're not supposed you're not supposed to feel that you're not supposed to be able to run 26 miles today. like if you were no. able to our job would be done right It would be race day. Um, but and she's like, well I felt you know obviously I felt good but I felt fatigued by the end. I'm like, that's what we want you to feel, right Like if you were able to jog 18 miles and finish feeling like you hadn't done anything at all, like that's so unrealistic. The whole point of the training is to prepare you for the hurt on race day.
1: Yes, definitely. And there's like, yeah, you're training. You're not tapered. You're not carb loading. So like you're not building in what you normally would for like a marathon kind of thing. But yeah, you got to train that cumulative fatigue. You're building on each other. Yes, very wise.
0: <laughs> I want to talk about the way, like I said, that our, our approach to marathon training progresses over multiple cycles as we gain experience and we mm-hmm. gain volume. Because one of the biggest questions that I'm sure you get from your first time marathoners is... Why am I not doing a bunch of marathon pace workouts? Well, why not?
1: Yeah, I mean if you're doing all these marathon pace workouts, like you're going to be tired, you're going to be like sore. We we need a balance of workouts in your training. Like you need to allow your body to recover. That's why we have easy runs. We have our long runs. We have marathon pace practice. Like you want your body to recover. We don't want to keep digging in all these faster paced miles and just you could end up injured and then you're the sideline so you need a balance of different workouts even some like faster paced stuff than marathon you want to work different muscle fibers to be able to utilize all your research remember your training so you can carry through with it on marathon day
0: for people who haven't run a marathon though like I feel especially for first-time marathoners who are very low volume and maybe their training contains like nothing at marathon pace because our whole goal is getting them to just build the endurance to run 26 miles safely but even for first-time marathoners who are at a point with their training where they can include some workouts like there seems to be a huge anxiety around well I'm only doing like a couple marathon pace miles at a time or like I'm only running like this workout was only like six miles at marathon pace. How am I supposed to hold this pace for 26 miles? Like I want to do more. I want to do more. I want to learn what, you know, that coming through overcoming, I think that anxiety with runners who are feeling that way, like that is, I think, more important than, than under, like, than the actual training, like learning how to trust the process and that, no, you shouldn't be doing like 90% of your, running at marathon pace
1: no you absolutely should not be doing that (laughs) no and i agree and i'll be honest like when i began training i would try to hit marathon pace but i feel like i just plateaued so much because okay my body's only used to running this pace like i'm not gonna be able to run faster slower kind of thing so i think with the varying and training has made a difference like to push through and uh Your body gets you even like when you run the marathon, I don't tell any of my athletes to start at marathon pace. Like I want you to build in, like work into it. You're gonna start at a more comfortable pace. Then I'm gonna build you up so you're confident until you hit marathon pace for the rest of it. You wanna have energy going into it. So technically you don't run the whole thing at marathon pace. Like you'll get faster, like hopefully, as long as you're fueling and everything, but yeah, like I like having like nice progression, long runs kind of thing to get used to building up the pace, so we're not going out too fast. And,
0: and marathon out. pace, I mean, like it's it's not a quote unquote hard pace, but it's not it's still challenging, like because you're doing so much of it on race day. And I think this is what really people really get confused about is that you know the base of your marathon performance is your aerobic endurance. And if you have absolutely crap aerobic endurance, because you're not doing any actual truly aerobic miles, like you're going you're gonna to plateau at how much marathon pace your body can handle at any given time. For a lot of people, I don't know, in my experience, this feels a little like subjective, but I would say I typically see people who overly focus on only running marathon pace or mostly marathon pace and training, they can probably run 12, 14, maybe 15 miles at marathon pace until they're like done because they don't have the endurance to allow them to like build upon their aerobic capacity because your marathon pace stuff is layered on your aerobic foundation. Like it's not your aerobic foundation. It goes on top of your aerobic foundation.
1: No, I definitely agree with all that. Even like, so before kids, I did not have a concept of easy running. I was honestly marathon pace, or I do speed work, but that was all out. I didn't have, it was either all out or what I thought was a pace I wanted to do. And uh, it wasn't until like, I really started focusing on like the easy running, like I was like, oh, I actually feel better. I'm not going into my runs tired, like with having to do, like doing my easy runs, like I can go longer kind of thing. And I do think easy running has been a big game changer. Like, so that was a lesson learned for me as I got later on and more experienced in training. Like, our body can't keep going hard every day.
0: I remember after I ran my first marathon, and I ran even hitting the wall. I mm-hmm. ran a 405, which is no BQ, but it's still a pretty, pretty respectable first marathon. But I had then magically decided that like, well, if my marathon pace is nine minutes per mile, then I should run all my training at nine minutes per mile. And I lived in Florida at the time, right? So oh running my. nine minutes per mile in like July in central Florida is absolutely freaking brutal. And I, I had to call my husband to pick me up on long runs, like most weekends, like even with a hydration vest. I mean, there are definitely a couple of times where I got heat exhaustion, right? So like... I say that to illustrate not that, well, obviously, one, you and I are both human, and we have made mistakes, and now we are better and more knowledgeable as going through this process as coaches and runners ourselves, but to, I think, highlighting some things that I think like I thought were normal that are actually not normal um, or that are common but not normal, like. I had decided, like I said, that X pace was acceptable pace and like that was it, right? And I think it's super common among people. They're like, well, this these are the paces that I run. I, I ran this in a race and this is now the pace that I run for this. And we have to talk to our athletes and be like, I understand that you have like an emotional attachment to this very specific pace, but it's okay to run slower than that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely had to learn that. I also had my X pace number. I'm like, this is a terrible run if I'm running slower than this. I I hate running. This is terrible. And so it took a while. And even now, like my easy pace are like way lower than that X pace that I set for myself, but I feel better. I'm able to run more because of it. So it's a lot of mental ego thing that goes on as well, but just to get past that and how it will benefit you. It's made a difference.
0: How do you like to introduce marathon pace work into a training cycle? Like when does it typically first show up in an athlete's marathon training cycle? And what do those first few workouts usually look like? And obviously it depends on the runner, but like give us kind of generally where you start.
1: Yeah, as as long as I feel like the runner has built up a good base, like we're comfortable with easy miles. I can see that our heart rate's at, based on what our max heart rate is, a good average of consistency for our runs uh, usually I'll start like incorporating some like strides too to like build things in but like if we're starting to get into like our marathon block whether it's 12 weeks or 16 weeks depending on the athlete and how much experience we have like I might just do some like shorter spurts of all right let's do like 3 by 5 minutes at goal pace and then uh, maybe start progressing some like the time intervals up before I start focusing and I probably won't put it into the long runs until we get a little deeper so like I'll put it on maybe a Tuesday's our workout day like maybe Tuesday's I'll start incorporating that before I start adding it into like long runs just to get us comfortable like maybe I'll just put the last four miles at marathon pace while we're running easy for the first part so it'll progress and change over time as we get more comfortable but I do want that solid base foundation that we're comfortable running easy and getting miles in before we're loading ourselves with extra.
0: I love that. I mean, it's, that's how I – I promise you we did not, like, conspire for this episode, right? <laughs> There's a reason Jesse's on the team because she knows what the heck she's doing. <laughs> um, how often do you find athletes take that first – Marathon pace workout of their training cycle and just hammer it like way too most fast. Most times. Yeah.
1: Most of the time I was like, mm-hmm. and I have to explain it. I'm like, that's not the point of this workout. We're not 5K training right now. Like we can do that another time, but I think it's hard for them to understand. Like, oh, I want to prove to you that I can do this fast. I'm like, that's great, but that's not what we're training. for I want our body to get used to this marathon pace if we want to run our marathon at this pace kind of things like there's different reasons for different workouts and I think that's hard for like athletes to understand and like yeah we all want to go fast I love going fast like but if that's not the purpose of this workout then (laughs) you got to slow it down
0: it's so funny I had that you bring that up I had I had an athlete say to me so when we first started working together like the first marathon that we were going through together and I put a little little midweek marathon workout, you know, a little tasty taste. And they like, they like hammered it. I was like, no, this is way too fast. And I was like, hey, just wanted to like check in. You know, this seems like it was pretty hot, you know, for for what we were hoping for. Like, how did this feel? And they're like, well, to be honest, you know, it felt it felt kind of harder than I wanted it to. But I really wanted to show you that I could run fast time so we could so we could go so I could like set an aggressive goal for my marathon. And i was like that's not how this works like i see i don't just see what pace you're running as your coach i see what your heart rate is i know what the normal acceptable range of paces and heart rate zones are for you like i know how much this cost you like i'm just not going to check the box i'm like sure i'll sign off on that goal because one time you did a workout super fast like it's actually not to your benefit. <laughs> like it's like getting in trouble with teacher. You know, obviously nobody gets in trouble, but right. <laughs> but like you should never try to run a workout at a specific pace because you think it's going to impress your coach or like manipulate your coach into doing something.
1: No, I, I totally agree. I mean, I usually like once we get into training, I like to do like a time trial just to see where our fitness is and there's ranges that I can see that we could hit. Like maybe we can push an upper end range, but we got to be realistic with our goals too. As, as much as I want to break three hours in the marathon, it's not happening this next marathon like one day, but we got to build up on that. We build on our training cycles and fitness that our next marathon is not going to be the ultimate goal that we want. We have to progress to there over time.
0: How do you and I'm curious, because this is a little bit different for every runner, obviously. Um, how do you help runners differentiate between marathon effort and marathon pace? Or or do you? Is that something that you talk about?
1: So I have some athletes, they like to see their pace. So like based on their time trial, like, okay, I give them a range that I think we is comfortable for your pace, but then I also like to put in for some athletes like two numbers focus and if it's hot or there's other factors going on maybe that pace just isn't it today or it's hilly so I want to put like an effort for those type of runs like if we are doing hills I'm like well back off I want this to be like a four to five effort range on the RP scale through like out of 10 kind of thing so I think it depends like where they live because I have some runners that have hilly areas so I like I don't want you pushing yourself into this pace that I think that we can do because you're in a hilly area and it's hot. So I think it depends on the season that we're in, obviously like fall, winter, I think we can most part hit pace, but I don't want us to be overexerting ourselves in effort just because I give you like a pace range, I think that we can hit. So it depends on the season, the athlete, I do prescribe some for pace, some, I just want effort base at that point
0: especially early in a training cycle and like anybody who's running kind of an yeah. early to mid-fall marathon like if you're running berlin or chicago and you started adding marathon pace in august right um or marathon effort i guess i should say right because nobody's running actual marathon pace yeah. in like the dead <laughs> of summer especially not right now i know it's like what's like 105 in the midwest this week yeah super fun oh yeah um it's hot this week but i have a lot of people freak out and they're like oh my god like that felt so hard. I was like a minute slower than I wanted to be. I'm like, first of all, we're 10 week we're 10 weeks away. Right. And it was 85 degrees outside. I'm like, it's unlikely that we'll also be 85 degrees on race day. Right. So there's yes. two things too. It's like one are, we are still at, in the process of building your fitness and two, it's super hot, but people really are looking for that guarantee right because because it's about like learning how to trust the process
1: yeah and I do have one of my athletes who's training for Chicago so it's been hot and she also she's in a hot hilly area so all the factors so she still tries to push for pace but this week we've had some like fake fall feeling so it's been cooler and she'd sent me a message on final surgery she's like I felt great on this workout cause it was cooler. And like, she's like, it's coming together. I was like, yeah, like this is what we're hoping will have be the weather for um, Chicago kind of thing. But yeah, weather, like it, it's a factor. It can really drain you. So it's, it is a nice reassuring feeling when it is things are cooler. I'm like, oh, this actually feels good at this pace, this marathon pace, instead of the effort that we're feeling in the hot summer.
0: My favorite thing is when an athlete will have a, a, you know, first workout of fall or a false fall and they're like, I don't know, like my, I think my watch is wrong because I was running like way faster than usual. I'm like, no, you were running exactly where you should have been. This is the fitness you've been building all summer and now you finally get to see it because it's 55 degrees, not 95 degrees.
1: Oh, yes, it is a nice feeling. (laughs) As much as I don't want summer to end, I like fall running.
0: (laughs) Describing what running a marathon feels like, I think is one of the most challenging things to try to like put into words because kind of depending on what your goal is and what your experience level is, it's going to feel a little bit different to, to different people. But one of the mistakes that I made when I was a newer marathon er, I think my second marathon or maybe my third marathon. I can't remember one of the, one of the earlier ones, um, I'd kind of learned a little bit more about training, like still not nearly like I still was like barely scratching the surface, but I wasn't just doing a bunch of random stuff that I was like pulling out of, uh, you know, the Hanson's marathon book and like, you know, cobbling together for funsies. Um, I was like mixing half marathon pace, mile repeats with like part of their marathon plan. Like it was, it was all (laughs) over the place. Don't do that. Training plans are written the way they are for a reason. Um, but I had gotten into my head that the first part of a marathon, talk about like the way you you pace a marathon, you progress through a marathon. I'd gotten into my head that the first part of my marathon should feel really easy. I was like, oh, I should, the first part should feel super easy and then it'll feel a little bit like more, you know, kind of like I'm working and then the last part would feel really hard. But no part of a marathon ever really feels easy, and so I went into this race with the expectation of like, it's going to feel really easy, and I was also undertrained, so that was also a strike against me. But I started out, and like immediately, by like mile three, I was like, oh, this feels way harder than I expect it to, and I was basically in this like terrible spiral for the next 23 miles, and it was absolutely terrible. So the way that we describe what running a marathon can feel like obviously matters, not just like how we talk to ourselves, but kind of setting the expectation. I like to say that a marathon, first part of a marathon should feel comfortable. But that can also have a range of interpretations as well because comfortable doesn't necessarily mean easy.
1: I completely agree. I also like to tell my athletes that, it should feel comfortable, but I feel like you have the nerves and expectations at the beginning, too. Uh, that it may not feel comfortable. You're just like so up in your head and expectations of what you want to accomplish. That I don't know, even me me sometimes. I, I get nervous before my marathons, and I think I get too stressed out. I'm like, okay, I should be like backing off a bit. Like, where am I at? And I just like overthink things too much and when I'm supposed to be comfortable and having fun at the beginning. But yeah, it's, there's a lot of unknowns, I feel like with the marathon and what to expect still after so many marathons.
0: (laughs) This I think ties back to one of the problems with hammering those marathon pace workouts too hard is that you are in workouts equating marathon effort with being at a certain intensity level which if you're hitting that intensity level in like mile eight, you are in a world of trouble. Like nothing in the first 10 miles of your marathon should feel anything approaching, "Uh uh-oh, this feels really hard.
1: (laughs) No, that's definitely not a good sign. I usually like to break it up. Like the first 10K should be comfortable before we should feel like confident. We're in the groove for this next section through like 20 miles. Like that's kind of like where I break things up. And then like the last 10 K, like you're competing, like this is you're in it last stretch. So that's kind of how I like to break up sections, like mentally kind of break things down and hopefully progress the pace, (laughs) (laughs) the ideal negative split that people want.
0: Something that's also, I found in marathons that have gone well, and this is, I mean, this is kind of those like champagne problems. Like this is a nice problem to have, but you are running and you're in you're in the right zone. You're in the right effort zone. You're like, no, by all like all my check ins with myself and my perceived effort. Like if I wasn't looking at my watch, I feel very comfortable and confident about where I currently am, pace wise, effort wise. And then you look at your pace and you're like, that's a little bit faster than I was expecting to run. And then then you get that doubt feedback loop. You're like, oh, am I running too fast? Can I hold this pace? Like you know, Oh, am I going to blow up? And then you start freaking out and like, you know, have this like middle, middle of the race meltdown. Cause you're so afraid of going too fast, but we like, we're like, it feels right, but I feel like I might be going too fast and I don't want to hit the wall. It's a weird place to be in.
1: <laughs> yes, I definitely had that. It was, that was even in my last marathon. I did it in South Carolina and Elena, another running explained coach was there. But she was doing the half. Like so we found each other on, like the first few miles. But so she was doing the half and obviously running a bit faster. But like mentally I'm like, but I feel good. I should be able to run with her. I want to chat with her. But I'm like, this is my race. Like I'm have more to run. <laughs> but just like mentally, I'm like, okay, I just need to back off before I can pick up the pace. And usually on my watch, I kinda like to put like the average pace overall. Cause I feel like the I don't know, consistent pace. I still show that too, but it's just usually all over the place. But at least I can get a range and see where I'm at. But even like my average pace started climbing. I'm like, oh no, how am I going to make it till the end? But I feel really good because I'd worked on my feeling and that helped a lot. But yeah, I did get my goal that I wanted, but it was, but yeah, you're just still questioning it. Like, am I going to still make it through? I'm so scared to hit the wall after I had so many bad races before that, so
0: I like to tell people, like you talk about rough patches and rough patches for a lot of people in races means more like mentally, like mentally it kind of, and it could like your effort can rise a little bit, but it's like a point of struggle. And especially for the marathon, I like to say it's not if you hit a rough patch, it's like when, (laughs) and you honestly might hit more than one. And that could be right. That doubt spiral that could be, uh oh, I missed time to fuel. And like I'm having, but it's like, if you're going to be running Solo, right? Even if you're with people, but you're in your own head for three, four, five, six, seven hours, you know, it's not going to be smooth sailing the entire time. Unless you have one of those like once in a lifetime unicorn races and then enjoy every moment of it.
1: I can't say I've had a unicorn race, but (laughs) you are in your head a lot, especially since I don't listen to music, which I learned does not work for me. yeah, you're just thinking like, I just feel like I'm over planning or I'm doing all the math in my head. How much more do I have to go? Like, what pace do I need to keep just to get through to hit your goal kind of thing? It's a lot of mental strength to get through a marathon, I think is key. I think, yeah, so much of it is physical, but a lot is mental to carry you through.
0: How do you counsel your runners who are asking about ways to build that mental toughness in the training cycle?
1: I like to have them come up with like a mantra or something. Like, if you're doubting yourself, like, what is a phrase that you can use to help you push through uh, or reflect back on like a tough run, a tough training run that they complete? I'm like, you've run through like harder things than this. Like, you can do it. I know you can. So, just, I don't know, mentally like upload, like, what are more positive spins on? what you've done and accomplished. Like, relay on your training. We've built upon this. You have the fitness to get you there. But I think just having the confidence in yourself, too, can sometimes be hard, like the self-doubt and everything. But, yeah, it's hard to push through that sometimes. But anything to build up that confidence, like, you know you can do this. You train for this. Like, you're ready. (laughs) I like having those race strategy calls and just looking back on other training runs. Like, look what you did here. Like, it was a downpour in you. (laughs) finish this run kind of thing.
0: Something that I, and I love the pre-race strategy call because we get to kind of go through the range of goals and go through the whole plan, the race day schedule and like all of that. And one of the things I like to have my runners go through is like, tell me about kind of like the worst that you think could happen. Because when when we say that out loud, we kind of like you know this kind of the fear I think thrives in darkness and if we say it out loud where it's like the worst thing that could possibly happen for most people is they don't hit their goal right or they have to walk more than they wanted to or you know like you say it out loud like yeah it can still suck but it also I think helps put things in perspective because if the worst thing that could happen to you on race day, barring like medical emergency, knock on wood, hope that never happens to anybody, right? If the worst thing that could happen to you is you run a little bit slower than you were hoping for, like, that's okay. It's okay because you get to learn, you get to try again in the future, right? It's not this end of the world event that I think that some runners make it up to be when they are going through the training cycle for the marathon.
1: I, I really like that perspective. I think it is good. Cause, I mean, you know, you're thinking it like in your head, like to hit your goal, but yeah, putting it out loud, and it's like, oh, like everything will still be okay after the race if we don't hit our goal. Like we're still loved. We still have family and friends, and this is supposed to be fun. Running's supposed to be fun, right? I mean, it's nice to have your own personal goals.
0: I want to talk about in kind of the last part, because this is something I don't really talk about much uh, on the podcast or in the work that I do, because I spend so much time talking about easy running, right? Because this is where I'm like, oh, mostly you just need to slow down. Like slowing down on your easy runs will fix like 95% of your problems. But we talked a bit about workouts, right? So obviously for a most first time marathoners, especially lower volume runners who are come from that 15 to 20 mile per week place. I personally don't think that marathon pace workouts or almost any workout is appropriate for their training cycle because their goal is to build the endurance to complete the marathon in a safe and healthy way. But as we go through the process of training for multiple cycles, right, building up our volume, not like a ton, right? I think you can still run great marathons on 40 miles per week, you know, 50 miles per week is a lot for most people. But I wanna talk about kind of the more advanced marathon workouts, right? Because this is this is the stuff where it, like, it gets really fun. Um, what are some fun, more, what you would consider advanced marathon-specific workouts that you have been using with your athletes and possibly in your own training as well?
1: So I like, I don't know, I like the, the five by one mile like workout, so like we might start off at like marathon pace but then go to half marathon 10k so like build it up each faster mile maybe we'll have like an all-out mile like the fourth one and back back down just uh and we'll have like walking or standing rest in between so we have the energy to go through but I kind of like pushing the needle on um how much effort we can do for those uh then like for long runs if we can I don't know I feel like doing like three by three mile at marathon pace and like doing some progression work. I I like those building up so maybe we'll get a bit faster than marathon pace at the end. But I feel like once you're like more advanced you can have more of your long run more at pace work. I mean I still like like to have a warm up or a cool down kind of thing, but just blocking off bigger intervals at pace. Uh, And that just, I guess, more confidence level too to um, do that. But at the same time, you need to recover hard, like make sure that we're doing that. Like we can't be doing all out efforts all the time. But I, I feel like as you get more advanced, you get to have like longer intervals of harder work too instead of some of the short stuff
0: and there's i mean i think especially as you get you know more advanced and advanced again has nothing to do with the paces that you're running it simply has to do with like the kind of volume of training you can handle and the experience that you've had with training at different volumes and for different distances um it gets more exciting and creative to do some of these workouts that aren't just like you know training for, you know, oh, fast finish long run, you know, 10 10 miles easy, 3 miles half marathon pace or like just, you know, all easy. Like again, like I think you can find fulfillment in in any type of training, but the funky creative like, yeah, let's be really intentional about this work, that comes when you have built up enough experience as a runner to like handle that kind of training. One of the things that I love to do with some of my more advanced marathoners, my more, let's call them experienced marathoners, yeah. um, is to do, and I love, I love your progressive, uh, mile repeat workout. Talk about gear switching, right? We start here, we get increase a little bit, increase a little bit, increase a little bit. Um, I like to do workouts that have marathon effort as the recovery effort. Like we'll do half marathon, but then like marathon is your recovery because it should still be an effort that is really sustainable and like really comfortable, but it also, I feel like gives a huge psychological boost to an athlete. They're like, I'm, this is my recovery pace for this workout. Like, and I can handle it. Then like it, it takes away some of that fear when you put it into those longer chunks.
1: I do like that. I do have a workout save that does have like marathon pace for recovery, um, and different breakdowns at faster paces, but I guess my athletes aren't. As experienced to be giving that one. Yet, so. Oh, and I'm talking when I say, like, I have a couple. I'm like, I've got two
0: people. I have like two people who, who would probably qualify to be able to have this workout. And you know who you are if you're listening. You're like, oh, yeah, no, that sounds like something I did last week. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about a kind of finish up and say, for anybody who's running a marathon, you know, when we are pacing our marathon. We talked about what the effort level feels like, right? You want to start really comfortable and then it kind of gets progressively more challenging until the end when it's like, I feel like every race ends at like a 10 out of 10 effort. Every single race that you run, it finishes feeling like the hardest thing you've ever done. But pacing wise, this is a huge mistake I see runners make when they are going out and pacing their marathons, is they are immediately mile one goal pace or faster, right? big yes. mistake how do you yes. counsel your athletes to pace their marathons
1: i like to have them starting like 15 to 20 seconds for my like slower than marathon pace that we want uh so yeah effort i want like a three the four effort out of 10 scale when we're going into it because we want to still have energy to carry us to the end of the race if we're burning it all up at the beginning, I know there's all the excitement and adrenaline at the beginning, but we gotta channel that, like hold it in (laughs) till the end. So I I do have some athletes that still like to go out too fast and I don't want them to see them crash and burn at the end. So that's something that we're working on. That's why we do a lot of progression long runs that we're practicing (laughs) to get used to that. But yeah, save that energy for the end.
0: And it's so tough too, because I've had people say to me, But I feel so good at the beginning of my marathon. I'm like, you should. If you felt like crap at mile four, like that's a really bad sign. Like you should feel amazing (laughs) in the first part of your marathon. You know, that doesn't give you license to then go super fast.
1: Exactly. And plus you're tapered, you're carb loaded, so you have all that extra energy ready to use. You've been running less miles. So I get it. You're ready to go. Right out the gate. But yeah, just save that energy. That is (laughs) key.
0: And I think that's the beauty of the marathon is that it's so complicated. Like there's so much both inside and outside of our control that, you know, no matter how experienced you are, like you're always going to learn something about yourself or about the distance every single time that you do this race. And I mean, honestly, I don't think there's any such thing as like the perfect marathon, you know, there's the whole point of, of why we do this is to try to get better and learn more and like do better next time and do better next time or replicate the success that we've had in the past. Like that's, I think one of the most exciting parts and um, draws of the marathon specifically.
1: No, I agree. Like honestly, I mean, I've done 25 marathons at this point. I I'm still learning. It's been a journey. Like every race has a story, something I need to learn or change kind of thing. Yeah. You're just always learning and marathon owes you nothing. Like, You never know what you're going to get, but know that you can build upon that fitness and try again.
0: So, Jesse, what is your next race? I know you're training.
1: I am. I'm doing Twin Cities Marathon, so that's October 1st exciting. (laughs) I have
0: an athlete running Twin Cities this year, second time that she's run it.
1: Oh, well, this will be it first. I might need to connect. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, totally. I will connect (laughs) you guys offline. Um, And Jesse, I know, obviously, you are a running coach with Running Explained, and you you have a pretty full roster. Are you taking new clients right now?
1: Yeah, I have room to take a couple more clients. I'm ready for that. But it's crazy. Yeah, it's been almost a year working with you and your team. (laughs) So I I feel like I've had such a good relationship with the athletes so far. And yeah, it's been very rewarding. So, I'm It's so it.
0: fun. I'm so glad that you're enjoying it. I know that the feedback we get of athletes who work with you are just absolutely love your style and your methods, but it's so rewarding as a coach to see athletes buy into the process, trust the process, and then have these breakthroughs where like for them, they're like, "Where did this come from?" I'm like, "It came from you. Like you're the one you put yeah, in the, you're work. Doing the work. You're the one." I'm like, "You made this <laughs> happen. Like back. I just guided you, right? You're the one who actually got out the door."
1: <laughs> Exactly. No, it's been great.
0: Jesse. thank you so much for being here today. For people who are interested in learning more about you, you also have your own social media presence. If they want to work with you, obviously, they can go and sign up for a coaching exploration call on the website. But if they want to learn more about you, where can they do that?
1: I am at Running with Roses on Instagram, so you can find out more learning running tips. And yeah, I'm ready to take more athletes and enjoy working with you and sharing my running journey on the page.
0: Follow your incredibly early morning runs. I'm incredibly impressed (laughs) that you get out the door that early. Coming from somebody who's not a morning person, I wholeheartedly applaud you.
1: (laughs) You got to fit it in somewhere.